The, the work that needs to be done is significant. It's very broad. It cuts across virtually every aspect of government's work and public missions. And like any organization, it's, you know, we will succeed if we get the right people and empower them. And, and that's the only way to get it done. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, brought to you by ICERTIS. An interview with the head of OSTP and how federal agencies will recruit talent to support the development and adoption of AI. It's Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. FedScoop is out with a new investigation into a system the Federal Aviation Administration is developing to share data and information on commercial space launches to deconflict with traditional air traffic. As launches into space become more regular, the need for such a tool has become increasingly paramount. But according to documents obtained by FedScoop, the space data integrator system may not be developing quickly enough. The documents show limited funding for SDI and a stretched budget, factors that have led some to think that the project could use more support, even as the FAA pursues other strategies to mitigate the impact of commercial launches. And as both air travel and launches increase, slow development of the tool or one like it would mean that current issues resulting from this challenge, like delays, could get worse. And in other news, more agencies are giving the okay to adopt generative AI tools. FedScoop in recent days has broken news on at least two more federal agencies approving the use of the technology, the National Science Foundation and the Department of Education. NSF released a memo last week that established guidelines for generative artificial intelligence concerning its merit review process a procedure in which the agency will ensure that submitted proposals are reviewed fairly and competitively. NSF's guidelines will limit agency reviewers from uploading any proposal content, related records, and review information to non-approved generative AI tools. Additionally, those submitting proposals for funding awards are encouraged to indicate in the project description if generative AI technology was used to develop their proposal, as well as the extent of usage and methodology. And for education, the department has approved the use of public generative AI software, a spokesperson for the agency told FedScoop. The department is also developing other AI efforts, including working with the vendor community on an enterprise generative AI platform and developing comprehensive AI guidance. But as it stands today, education is not aware of any use of generative AI within the department and is in the process of establishing a mechanism for reviewing and approving requests for its future use, the spokesperson said. You can read more about these stories and much more at fedscoop.com. At the end of October, the White House issued an executive order on artificial intelligence that set in place the foundation for how the U.S. hopes to lead on the development and adoption of the technology. The Office of Science and Technology Policy and its director, Arati Prabhakar, played a key role in shaping the creation of that order. FedScoop editorial fellow Caroline Nihil spoke with Prabhakar about the EO, OSTP's role in it, and how the U.S. government is looking to staff up to support its vision. We'll go to that interview now. Hi, Caroline. How are you? Hi, Dr. Provoker. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Good to talk with you. Good to speak with you. 
you, you know a lot about what's going on. I'll just set the context by saying that uh, President Biden has been clear from the beginning of our work on artificial intelligence that this is one of the most powerful technologies of our time. And the work for us right now is uh, that he clearly laid out is to manage its risks so that we can seize the tremendous opportunities. And this executive order that he signed at the end of October is the first significant action that anyone anywhere in the world has ever taken on AI. And uh, it, it gets us off to uh, a terrific start. And now we're off to the races uh, implementing it. Sure, sure. That sounds great. Um, I, I wanted to you know, take a step into the artificial intelligence executive order for a moment here. Um, I know you were involved in its creation. Could you tell me about how you determined how federal agencies uh, were to best recruit AI talent for the workforce? Well, very much to your point, the, the work that needs to be done is significant. It's very broad. It cuts across virtually every aspect of government's work and public missions. And like any organization, it's, you know, we will succeed if we get the right people and empower them, and, and that's the only way to get it done. So um, like every company and every organization, we're going to have to go find great AI talent. Uh, there, we already have some of that inside of government, and I think there's a great opportunity to build on top of that. We were thrilled with the response to the AI talent surge when the executive order came out. Uh, just an enormous volume of wonderful resumes that came in, people who have practical experience building AI systems in the real world, people who have uh, built all the, the data systems and the computational capacity that you have to have to use AI intelligently, and um, getting that talent to work on all the different uh, tasks that government has to do to get AI right is exactly where we are today, and I think we're, we've made a great start here. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, in the EO and AI.gov, there's a huge push for talent acquisition, both domestically and abroad. Uh, can you speak to the encouragement of recruiting those from overseas? Yeah, this, I think, is just the next chapter of a long American story of uh, people, American kids, uh, going into science and technology and making huge contributions, but also uh, coupled with being able to attract some amazing talents from around the world and who come here for these tremendous opportunities in our country. Very much want to make sure both of those continue to happen with AI. Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to ask, you know, how is OSTP planning to support federal agencies that might face some challenges acquiring talent in such a quick turnaround? Uh, one of the things that we were able to do, and this is in the executive order, is to use some of the tech talent programs that were so effective over the last decade in bringing computer science coding skills into government uh, and to supercharge them to help to, to allow them to provide people very quickly on AI across government. So that's the immediate um uh, influx that, that uh, where we've gotten these great resumes, we're matching people up with some of the most important work across agencies. Um, as well, of course, we, you know, agencies need to put their own capacity to be able to hire and hire quickly and competitively in this area. And so there are also actions um, that are underway with the Office of Personnel Management uh, to make that possible as well. Sure, absolutely. And, and you know, what makes this EO's call for workforce and talent acquisition different than past ones like EO 13859? 
Well, workforce is, you know, anytime you need to do something hard, if you don't have the right people, you're not, you're not going to get it done. So I think it's a very natural uh, part of it. I think the one thing that really strikes me is the variety of roles that uh, for which we need AI talent, because if you think about it, um, there across government, we need to learn how to um, use this powerful technology in really creative ways that are deeply responsible. That's a great way for government to lead by example in the use of AI. Um, that's a whole set of talents that we can draw uh, people in for. But it also, if you think about the downside, a lot of virtually everything that um, many of the reasons that we are concerned about AI's risk are things that happen to be illegal already. But if, if our regulators and enforcers can't keep up with the, the pace of acceleration from AI, uh, they won't be able to meet the moment. So people who have the understanding on the policy side and the regulatory and enforcement side are another example, a very different one. And then the third category I mentioned is people who can help drive the core technology itself, including how do we build the tools and methods to make sure that AI systems are safe and effective and responsible. So it's a pretty wide swath of different kinds of talents. Um, but this is just a, uh, it's one of those exceptional moments where public service for the right person at the right time, they're going to be able to come in and move mountains. And I think it's a very exciting opportunity right now. I, I wanted to ask just to wrap up, you know, are there any, you know, specific challenges that you're anticipating that OSTP is anticipating to help federal agencies with in terms of AI talent acquisition and workforce? Well, it's all challenges, right? Like none of this is easy. So uh, there's a long list. But I, I, well, the thing I would reflect on is, you know, starting with the president's clarity that American leadership in the world today requires American leadership in AI. The excitement about doing this work around government is really palpable. And it's, uh, I think people are, they know it's hard. They know it's worthwhile. But it, I think people are actually having fun grappling with this challenge. So that, that gives us a lot of good energy. And, and we eat it, so that's, that's terrific. Sure, absolutely. Well, I, I wanted to say thank you so much for your time. I know this has been kind of in the works for a while, but I really appreciate your time and your help. Thank you for your patience. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I will talk to you very soon, and I'll follow up via email on that other item. I, I really appreciate your time. You can learn more about the AIEO at thedailyscooppodcast.com. Now for this next segment, I'll pass it over to my colleague Wyatt Cash for an interview with our sponsoring partner, Icertis. In an era where digital advancements are reshaping our work, governments must adapt to more digital, efficient, and transparent contracting processes. However, in the world of government contracting, integration with existing federal systems can be a significant challenge. I'm Wyatt Cash with Scoop News Group, and here to talk about the transformation of government contracting through technology and innovation is Sean Garcia, Director of Professional Services, Public Sector at iCertis. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for inviting me and I really look forward to this. Terrific. Well, let's start by asking, what do you see as the most pressing challenges you're hearing from your federal IT customers on this idea of the contracting front in government? Well, I work for iCertis and we have a tool called ICI for government contractors. And what it's intended to do is be a comprehensive solution for our customers. 
Uh, we integrate capture management, the, the management of prime contracts, the management of subcontracts, the detailed management of deliverables, and contract closeout all in one system in an end-to-end -end process flow. Um, I think that uh, um, one of the real uh, interesting areas that people are asking a lot of questions are, is what is generative AI and how can I take advantage of the new technology? Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of us have seen the chart that shows that uh, ChatGPT got over a million subscribers in less than a week. So the uh, advent of uh, quick adoption of these AI type of technologies is apparent. So uh, everybody wants to learn more about that. Uh, secondly, is people want to avoid, or customers want to avoid the manual input of data. For, for decades now, uh, they have had to use people looking at contracts, finding the, the essential data, and then either populating it into a spreadsheet or a business system or something like that. And I think that the promise of AI going forward is it will eliminate most of that uh, uh, labor that's uh, used to in input data. People also want to know about how to reduce proposal cycle time. Uh, the proposal process isn't getting any simpler, and the, the cycle times and turnaround times for proposals are sometimes getting shorter and shorter. It's imperative for our customers that we address the proposal process in a meaningful way to take out some of the really labor-intensive uh, processes in it and make it simpler and faster and easier for the contracting professional. Um, there's another ma major concern around security and cybersecurity. You have FedRAMP, StateRAMP, CMMC 2.0, and the brand new draft NIST Cybersecurity Framework 2.0. The cybersecurity requirements for modern systems are just going to be more and more under the microscope, and it's imperative for software companies like iCertis and government contractors to be hyper aware of these requirements and make sure that they're complying. The, uh, um, the risk of non-compliance is, is too, too heavy. The other thing I think people are really concerned about is how to integrate with upstream and downstream systems. Uh, modern software programs need to integrate up and down the, the process flow. Um, I think about it in the CLM end-to-end -end process flow to include uh, uh, CRM programs like Salesforce.com, also ERP systems like SAP HANA S4, Dell Tech Costpoint, and then the tools that we use to do our jobs like Microsoft Suites, and then where we store our, do our documents like the Microsoft Azure.gov repository. Then you throw on electronic signature capability and you see a real uh, opportunity to make sure that these systems are highly integrated and working together, again, to minimize uh, cycle time. And then the last thing is how to derive actionable insights around business and compliance. Customers want to see the magic in AI. How does it find out what my data says and what can it tell me about my data so that I can do something with it? How do I marshal the resources of my company with this new insight and come out with a better business outcome. That's a lot for on people's plates nowadays. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious, uh, you know, what really defines uh, government contracting in the digital age that's different from where contracting used to be? In other words, you know, what's the significance of governments adopting a more digital, efficient, and transparent process in their contracting procedures? Well, that's a great question. I think um, as the U.S. government has uh, already shown us, they are really intent upon bringing these modern systems to bear. Um, most of us in the contracting industry have seen uh, over the past 20 years uh, 
a kind of a, an arc uh, where people were, used to have paper copies in a file cabinet, and now they're moving up to SharePoints and file structures and, and the like. And now we're getting into modern CLM systems. So I think it's imperative for, for companies to consider as the USG's processes procedures get more digital, that those contractors have to be prepared to capture the most critical information in their business systems. I use the catcher's mitt analogy here. Um, these government agencies are going to be able to, with modern systems, throw more and more data to the co government contractors. They have to have a catcher's mitt to catch it all, to figure out what's important and to, and to use it to their best uh, ability. Now, ultimately, the ability to capture, synthesize, and make these critical business decisions based on AI insights will become a differentiator amongst the competitors. So if you're in the federal marketplace and you're not using AI, you're disadvantaged. And I, and I will say this, that I personally believe that contracting professionals in the future will be replaced by contracting professionals with AI tools. So how, how companies wield those AI tools is gonna to say something about how efficient they are. And so as the USG gets more efficient, they're gonna undoubtedly expect the same kind of efficiencies to come from their prime contractors, and prime contractors are gonna expect those same kind of efficiencies to come from their subcontractors. Another uh, key thing that I see in the marketplace is with these modern systems, it's gonna enable the government to place more and more CLINs, subclins, and ELINs on single contracts than ever before. So systems like ISERTIS are gonna to have to be able to manage tens of thousands of these line items. And that's what the modern uh, data science allows. And so we need to be prepared for it. Um, also, I think an interesting, a significant event is how the US government is democratizing data through systems like acquisition.gov and SAM.gov, as well as a myriad of uh, different agency contracting writing systems. So contractors are gonna need modern APIs and robust business systems to accommodate receipt of all these large volumes of data. Those are some interesting points. Appreciate that. Um, you know, you touched earlier on the potential of AI. I wonder if you could elaborate a little on how you see AI really streamlining government contracting processes. Well, I think I hit on a, on a couple of them earlier. I think the, probably the biggest one is the, the catcher's mitt. So when, when you think about what uh, companies used to do, they would get a maybe a paper copy, maybe a, a PDF, and they give it to some, some folks and they would go and pull that critical data out of the documents and put it into a business system or a spreadsheet or something like that. So I think that, the, that this is gonna be a game changer in the industry. We're gonna have all of this data coming from the government in structured data, not unstructured data. And so what's gonna become the problem is, is how to deal with this massive amount of data not that you're not getting it. So I think that that's the opportunity. So um, I think that I, I also mentioned that, that uh, the government will, affect, will expect efficiencies from the contractors. Um, we can expect to see uh, contracts with, with higher numbers of CLINs, subclins, and ELINs. And then when you think about other uh, advantages around automation, I think about the FAR and the DFARs and the agency provisions and managing those. Obligations management, sometimes there are obligations outside of the CLINs that you have to manage and then the contract and proposal writing processes. All of those things are gonna be enhanced by AI, and I think we're gonna see just a real influx of uh, tools over the next uh, three to five years that are gonna support those kinds of uh, activities in government contracting. 
And then you made another interesting point, and that is, you know, this sort of extended chain of primary contractors, subcontractors, et cetera. Um, talk a little about the integration with existing federal systems. Um, and, you know, how does ICERTIS really ensure a smoother and more effective integration with these systems, uh, you know, to really take advantage of um, all that uh, contractors are involved with in supporting agencies? I think that's a great question. I mean, ICERTIS is trying to build contract intelligence for government contractors. So to, in order to build that contract intelligence, you oftentimes have to get data inputs from numerous sources. That was always the hard part of data science in the past, is getting this data to match up with this data stream, to match up with this data lake, to match up with this data ocean, and get it all together so you can analyze it. I think that those kind of disadvantages are starting to disappear. So the key is through modern APIs. And I think that the industry is moving to APIs in a, in a smart sense and that it is the way forward. So um, the ability to move data efficiently is just as important as being able to search on it. So we have already implemented uh, numerous integrations with companies like Salesforce.com, uh, SAP with their HANA S4, Dell Tech with their Cost Point, Microsoft 360, Microsoft Azure.gov, and it goes on and on. All of these systems need to be highly integrated and uh, to the extent that they're not integrated and you have to force uh, some kind of data, it's inefficient and that's not what we're going for. The, the key here is the um, contractual digital thread. That's a, a phrase that I came up with a couple of years ago. And what it simply means is that there are, there's data within the four walls of the contract that has to get somewhere. And we wanna get it uh, through the contractual digital thread and we wanna get it there in the shortest possible uh, way. Oftentimes we see data dumped from one system to another and it could be two or three uh, systems down the line before it gets to the right place. I think the promise with modern APIs is the data is going to go directly to where it needs to go, when it needs to go. And when I think about managing CLINs and subclins and ELINs and managing obligations management like CDRLs and other things like that, these APIs are really going to help us be efficient in the future. Also, our professional services organization, led by Greg Innes, makes integrations a major part of the discovery process. And we have already demonstrated through that process a strong ability to get these uh, systems integrated and working efficiently and working well. And then lastly, um, could you share some specific case studies or success stories that showcase the impact of uh, iCertis' solutions in overcoming some of the challenges you alluded to and, and really, um, you know, proving the or leading to enhanced efficiency, if you will, in government contracting? Well, I think about both efficiency and risk. And uh, both of those are, are equally important. And the faster you can get your risk analyzed, the better. So I think one of the... Um, use cases you could talk about are uh, non-disclosure agreements. NDAs have to be signed on almost every uh, activity that occurs, and it's usually one of the upfront things, and it can obviously slow down progress if it's not done smartly. So um, every contractual document must be reviewed for risk, but NDAs I think are even more important. So modern CLM systems today can automate and accelerate those reviews based on a configurable risk assessment criteria. So for an NDA, it would be taking a look at each paragraph of the NDA, assessing its risk, and you know, there's certain risk words it'll look for, like indemnifications, insurance, and things like that. And then the uh, AI will categorize those clauses as green, yellow, blue. 
Well, what does that mean? If it's blue, it's good to go. You shouldn't even worry about it. Green means it looks like it can move forward and red means stop. You might need a law review. You might need a business decision or some other thing. And so if you can get the NDA down to the critical one or two or three things out of this 17 clause document, you're really cooking with, with steam then. So I think that that's uh, one really good example. The other one is the FAR and DFARS and agency clause management. Um, the ability to, to take a look at the clauses and analyze them, assess them, compare them to other versions. Uh, maybe you wanna have an alt two versus an alt one clause. All of those things have to be managed. And what AI does is um, you have the ability to, within seconds, find hundreds of these type of foreign DFARS clauses and ingest them into the system. And what does ingest means? It means you have the, um, the number, the title, and the date of every FAR, DFARS, and agency clause that's in that contract. And I've seen it done in seconds. Now, when I used to personally do that, that would take me two or three days. And then the other one is just the CLIN and subclin and ELIN management. As I mentioned earlier, there are some contracts, uh, especially around logistics, that can have tens of thousands of CLINs on them. And so the ability to manage those have been really hard for government contractors over the past decade. Now with modern systems, we'll be able to capture those much more readily and easily and manage them. And I think that it's really gonna, um, the government contractors are really gonna appreciate that kind of capability. Well, terrific. Uh, well, Sean Garcia, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to share your insights on uh, the ways that uh, modern technology is helping government contracting for the federal government and some of your additional insights on how Assertus is helping agencies do that better. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Garland Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll be back on Thursday with our last episode of 2023. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.